The following is a West Virginia Writers Podcast bonus episode featuring an episode of host Eric Fritschew's other podcast, The Consternation of Monsters Podcast. You can find more episodes of this podcast at mrherman.com or by searching Consternation of Monsters in iTunes. That is all. Welcome to the podcast adaptation of A Consternation of Monsters. A collection of short stories by Eric Fritschews, available where fine books are sold. Today's tale, The Ones That Aren't Crows. Beginning of recorded material. They all said it was a whale we hit. Never mind only a few people on the boat claimed to have seen it. Never mind no one ever found a carcass. It was just what we had to have hit. Survivors said it. State officials said it. Witnesses at the campground said it. That damn marine biologist with her migration chart said it. Hell, at the time, even I said it. And, of course, there was the media saying it. The Seward Whale Strike Tragedy, they called it. Twenty-five people dead. The worst accident in Alaska's tourism history since Will Rogers' plane went down in 35, they said. Oh, it was a tragedy for sure. Hitting a whale in Resurrection Bay ain't exactly impossible either. Depending on the time of year, the bay's full of them. We got all sorts of regulations and restrictions to prevent strikes. Accidents do happen, but the only whale kills I'd ever heard of were from the bigger cruise ships. Not smaller boats like I piloted. I spent 30 years as a tour captain on those waters, and I saw everything that lived in them, from otters to squid to orcas. I've seen hundreds of whales. I know what whales look like. What I hit that day... Coughing. It it was no whale. Coughing. Excuse me. I don't guess my saying that's going to come as a shock to you. I doubt your magazine would have sent you this far if you thought I was going to say whale when you got here. I know monsters and UFOs and weirdness is your bread and butter, but I thought I'd better say it up front. For the record and all. I'm about the last person you'll find who'll give you the real story. Probably the only one alive who knows it, too. But someone's got to set the record straight. So why not the guy they said caused the whole thing? Coughing. Yeah, if there was anything everybody agreed on other than it being a whale we hit, it was that it was my fault we hit it. They all said I was going too fast. Said I was drunk. For the record, though, I was not drunk. I said the same thing back then, and there was never any proof otherwise. Thing is, I'd had some problems of that nature in the past. I was still on probation with the company. So the weasels people made sure the alcohol got brought up. They were right about the speed, though. I was going 30 knots, which is 10 faster than I should have been by law. I admitted that much then, and I still own up to it now. I shouldn't have been going that fast. What I really shouldn't have done, though, was listen to the weasel. Laughing. I've been calling him the weasel for 11 years now, but you'd know him better as... Name redacted. His family made it clear what would happen to me if I soiled his name with any crazy accusations. I don't guess it really matters much anymore, since most of them are gone too. I'll let you decide if you want to call him by his name or not. 
All your readers really have to know was that the weasel was a bigwig official from Anchorage who'd pissed off a lot of people. Seems he made a bunch of promises to get himself re-elected and then didn't keep a one of them. That's never happened before, right? Laughing. Coughing. Coughing. Sorry. Like I said, a lot of people were gunning for the weasel before the election and plenty more of them got in line afterward. Somehow, the folks who seemed the maddest were the Chugaks. I always thought that was strange because the weasel claimed to be part salt jacket himself. I never knew exactly why the Chugaks were so angry with him. Something about sacred land or fishing rights, I want to say. Maybe both. What mattered was that they'd figured out the weasel was in Seward for some official ceremony at the Sea Life Center, and they came to protest him. I know, because I had to walk through them that morning on the way to the ship. I was nursing a headache, and the noise they were making was... Coughing. Coughing. Sorry. Damn stuff's tightening its grip. Labored breathing. I was on the usual Tuesday schedule that day, piloting the boat, the Aunt Nancy, on a four-hour sightseeing tour through the Kenai Fjords. The Nancy was actually sold out, but the company decided to let the weasel on anyway. Said it would get us some publicity. Guess they weren't wrong on that count. Laughs. Getting out on the tour was about the only way the weasel could get away from the protesters. A whole bunch of them had followed him right down the dock and nearly up the ramp to the lower deck. Once he was safe on board, he seemed happy enough, even though he had to leave all his lackeys back on shore. I saw him wave at the protesters as we pulled away. He didn't seem too enthusiastic about the tour. I mean, gorgeous June day, cruising past some of the most beautiful scenery on the planet. Whole time that asshole just yakked on his fancy satellite phone. He didn't even listen to the ranger's tour. He didn't eat the box lunch. He didn't press the flesh with his constituents. He just stood on the bow of the upper deck, right outside the wheelhouse's front window, and yacked while the deckhands brought him white Russians from the bar. I didn't really care what he did. I was told to keep him happy, and if he left me alone in the process, that was all the better. But he didn't leave me alone. Just after we'd seen the last glacier on the tour and it started back home, the weasel got real interested in visiting the wheelhouse. He was all smiles, handshakes, and vodka breath at first. But pretty quick he started hinting that he'd like to know how fast the boat could go. Wanted me to really open her up, he said, just for kicks. I tried to laugh it all off and quote regulations to him, but he was insistent. Said he had an appointment he had to keep. Made it sound like an emergency, even though it was probably just some gal. I wish I could say he threatened me or even bribed me, but... But he didn't. In the end, I was just tired and my head hurt, and I knew that the sooner I could get us back, the sooner he'd be out of my hair. So it went faster. We weren't going top speed by any means, but the weasel didn't know that. We passed Kane's head doing 30 knots. Probably pissed off the ranger, too, because he had four minutes of chatter about the history of Fort McGilvery all timed out to the geography. Soon enough, we were in the home stretch, passing Lowell Point, within sight of town. I should have slowed down right then, but the sonar fish finder was quiet, and our path ahead was all clear. Only, then it wasn't. People say events happen in slow motion during accidents. I'd heard it, but I'd never experienced it until that moment. I only glanced down at the gauges for a second, but when I looked back up, there was a kayak in our path. I can still see it as clear in my mind as I did in that frozen moment. It was a single-hold kayak, like the natives make, covered in spotted sea lion skin. It floated, stationary in the water, as though it had been there for minutes already. 
There was a man in it, wearing one of those native jackets they make out of seal guts, covered in sheets of red and black and turquoise beads. And he was wearing one of those big wooden bird masks, like the kind they sell at the native art shops, only his was old and worn. I can remember the chips and the paint of its red-lined black beak. Its eye holes were ringed with blue and black, and I saw the guy lift one of his arms, and in his hand it looked like he was holding... an egg. There was no way we could avoid him at that point, but I reached to cut my engines all the same. Just before he disappeared below the bow, though, I saw that man in the bird mask fling that egg into the water. And then he was gone. And that's when the fish finder started screaming. It was a proximity alarm, the likes of which I'd never heard before. I didn't even have time to look at the display when the ship jolted and our bow came out of the water. We'd hit something, and it wasn't just a crazy fool in a mask either. But nothing short of some kind of gigantic ramp made of rock could have sent a boat the size of the Aunt Nancy into the air like that. Not at only 30 knots. (coughs) Coughing. Time. Time seemed to slow down again. I could see the weasel framed in the port door of the wheelhouse. I could see individual ice cubes tumbling from his white Russian, chased by beads of Kahlua. I could hear the screams of the passengers on the viewing deck outside. Then the Aunt Nancy rolled to port and I was finally able to catch a glimpse of what we'd just struck. It was a whale. I I know, I know, I told you before it wasn't a whale, and it wasn't, it still wasn't. But that's what it looked like when I first saw it. An adult blue whale, longer than the ship, flat head, grooves in the chin, the whole bit. And as the boat rolled in the air, looking down on that whale, all I could think of was how much hellfire the conservationist groups were about to rain on my head, assuming I lived through it. Then the upper deck plunged into the water and everything got dark. I, I think I was knocked out there for a while. When I came to, I was on the ceiling of the wheelhouse and I realized we'd capsized. The lights were blinking on and off around me and the engine was screaming and water was pouring in through the door. The cold woke me up quick. Even in June, Resurrection Bay is nothing but glacier runoff. The weasel was there too. He was flailing through the water, trying to climb out of it onto the slope of the ceiling that it hadn't yet reached. Then the engine died and the lights went out. I could hear screams from the observation deck, which was also now above our heads. And then I could see forms thrashing in the dim light from the surface, outside the bow window. It was like staring into an aquarium filled with bodies of passengers strug... Strug... Lengthy coughing fit. No, no, don't call the nurse. I'll... I'll be alright in a minute. Coughing. Don't... Sipping water. Where was I? The water. Water was still pouring in the wheelhouse door. I didn't know how long our pocket of air would last, but I knew if I didn't get out of there, we were goners for sure. I could see the weasel by the light of his satellite phone. I grabbed him by the arm and started pulling him toward the door. It was tough, though, because he kept fighting me. Then the boat shifted again, throwing us back into the water. The Aunt Nancy had been floating almost exactly upside down, but it began to roll to stern as the lower deck filled with water. My view through the wheelhouse's front window rotated toward the surface of the bay. I could see people swimming on the surface. Others were were motionless beneath the water. And beyond them, probably 200 feet away, was the shape of a whale. I thought it was dead, but then it turned and... Long pause. Like I said, 
I've seen hundreds of whales. I know how they behave, how they move. This one didn't move like a whale should, or any animal for that matter. One second it was hundreds of feet away, and the next second it was right on top of us. I mean instantly, he was right there outside the window. His eye pressed up to the glass, looking right at us. That's when I saw that that whale's skin was wrong, too. It wasn't the usual gray-blue color of a blue whale. It was, it was turquoise, and the eye itself was rimmed in black. And as the whale swam past the window, I could see the circles of red and black continuing down its body. Then its fluke passed the window, only it wasn't a fluke anymore. It was a wing covered in black feathers. Coughing. Bear with me now. This is where it gets strange. I never really saw the whale change. Not exactly. I just sort of noticed that the, the whale wasn't a whale anymore, but a gigantic black bird. And just like the whale, its feathers were painted, black and red and turquoise. It looked like something you'd find perched on top of a totem pole. I watched the bird float there for what seemed like a long time. The weasel watched it too, but he was screaming. Then, just like the whale had, the bird lunged forward in an instant. It smashed its head through the wheelhouse's bow window. There it was, this impossible, gigantic thing, its black and red and turquoise body plugging the hole it had just made. I could smell its feathers, wet and old. The weasel kept right on screaming until the bird's red-lined beak closed around his head. It stared at me for a second. Then I think it... I think it winked. I'm not embarrassed to say that I started screaming then, too, and kept on screaming until the bird wiggled its body out of the window and... and Resurrection Bay crashed in on me. Coughing. I, I have no idea how I got to the surface, or how I came to be in one of those rescue boats. Out of the 34 people on board the Aunt Nancy, only nine survived. Probably would have been fewer or none if the weasel's phone call to shore hadn't got the rescue crews moving. The paper said he was a hero who went down with the ship. I couldn't exactly tell them what really happened to him. I was in enough trouble. But you know... But you... You know all about that. Coughing. Coughing. What did I see that day? Well, it weren't no whale, that's for damn sure. What was it, though? Well, that's another name I don't like saying. You can't live in Alaska, though, without being exposed to a few of the native legends. They sell them to tourists by the bagful and carve it into every stray scrap of wood they can find. And the main character of all those myths and legends? It's a bird. A trickster and a shapeshifter named after one of them blackbirds, the ones that aren't crows. They say he brought light to the world by stealing the sun and carrying it into the sky in his beak. And if he could carry the sun like that, I figure how much easier it is to carry away the life of a weasel. Coughing. So, was it the ending you were hoping for? Yeah, I thought you might have had a notion. But I doubt knowing the true story will do you any good. It's brought me nothing but grief and pain. But that'll end soon enough. I wasn't kidding when I said I was the only one alive who knew the real story. The other eight survivors are already gone. So are a lot of the people who were there. 
The weasel's lackeys, a couple of reporters, and damn marine biologists with their migration charts. All gone. Accidents, of course, or... <clears throat> Coughing. Or illness. They call it the curse of the whale strike tragedy. I don't know about all the death. My only guess... Coughing. My only guess is that it's... Coughing. A warning. Coughing. That it's dangerous to look into the face of a... Coughing. <coughs> of a... Coughing. 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 End of recorded material. Today's tale is adapted from the short story, The Ones That Aren't Crows, which appears in the short story collection, A Consternation of Monsters by Eric Fritschews. Published by Mr. Herman's Publishing Company. You can purchase your own copy of A Consternation of Monsters in print or Kindle ebook formats at Amazon.com, or in print or Nook ebook formats at BarnesandNoble.com, or in print only at BooksAmillion.com, or by politely asking that your local brick and mortar retailer order it for you. Visit MrHerman.com for links to online retail companies that may help you in your pursuit of a copy of A Consternation of Monsters in a variety of formats. Two is a variety. There you will also find the author's ongoing blog where he reveals more about the individual stories from A Consternation of Monsters and about his recent rescue of a tiny orange kitten. Abandoned. Homeless. The heart of all female listeners will be melted by this tale and they will find themselves compelled to give the author all of their smooches. But they are forbidden to do so. Forbidden. Forbidden. If you enjoy the book, please rate it accordingly at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com, or Goodreads.com. If you enjoy this podcast, please pass it on to others. You may tell those individuals in your friends lists on various social media platforms, and be sure to give it a glowing review on iTunes. If you did not enjoy this podcast, the author hopes very much that you do not suddenly find yourself at the bottom of Resurrection Bay. He hopes it. A lot. Music used in this podcast was composed and provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Paging Dr. Bataglia. Sound effects used were purchased by the author from SFXSource.com. Call extension 198. Additional transcription vocal effects achieved through the use of text-to-speech.imtranslator.net. Until next time, avoid monsters in all formations, but especially those in consternations.